0: Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, brought to you by Expedition Archery. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 51, where we talk with Dan the Man Johnson on elk hunting lessons. Hello, and thanks again for tuning in to the Transition Wild Podcast, the number one source for Western big game hunting. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard that intro right. Today, we are joined by a hunting celebrity himself, Dan Johnson. Can you believe it? We are in the presence of greatness. He is a legend and I love this dude. He's my friend <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm always excited when I get to talk to Dan and, and he was actually out here a couple weeks ago hunting elk. So I got to spend some good time with him, catch up, lots of laughs, lots of stories and, and just lots of fun. So this this podcast today I'm really just chatting with Dan and, and I wanted to pick his brain on kind of maybe some lessons he learned from the past two years elk hunting and also make some comparisons between, you know, really hunting last year in Colorado 2018 versus 2019 in regards to maybe some of his, his gear and maybe some things that he changed, kept the same. Uh, how he prepared physically, maybe how that differed from last year on on some of his training and, uh, overall gear setup, meal planning, all the above, and, uh, really just goals and expectations for, for this year. So that, that's really what today's podcast entails. And, and again, always, always have a great time talking with Dan. I just want to, uh, Apologize to everybody. Um, I, I've been kind of MIA or have been really MIA on the articles, the podcasts, uh, the social media, all that stuff. I, I, for those of you, some of you guys probably already know, but uh, a month ago, uh, late August, welcomed my firstborn child into the world. Is really, really amazing experience and uh can't wait to take him hunting can't wait to get him out in the woods he's only a month old right now and uh i just i just love him to death but uh i i really just kind of everything's just been so crazy with having you know a, a brand new baby in the house that i i've really just let the blog and podcast and social media slack quite a bit but you know it, it just felt right you know i kind of needed a break from it and uh now i'm back so I, uh, I, I just want to apologize to everybody for the lack of content I've been putting out, but hopefully you will understand and, and you won't unsubscribe and, and never listen to me again. So <laughs> I hope you're not in that boat, but uh, you know I just wanted to kind of let everybody know. All right, I'll stop rambling. Let's get Dan Johnson on the line. Before we begin, today's episode is brought to you by Expedition Archery, manufacturer of the world's finest archery experience. Expedition bows combine aerospace-level quality, innovative designs, and a fluid feel serious hunters demand. Test drive one today at your nearest archery retailer and view their full lineup at expeditionarchery.com. Why settle for status quo when opportunity and adventure awaits? Make your next hunt an expedition. All right, on the line with us now, we have Dan, the man, Johnson. How you doing today, dude? I'm tired. I know we were chatting about that uh, dad life, right?
1: Oh man, it's nuts. <laughs> I like when I, I I tell this to everybody, but I don't think I've ever mentioned it on a podcast. But I didn't I didn't I didn't understand until I started having kids. Like how how the lack of sleep that a human gets, uh, the amount of feces and urine that you have to clean up. <laughs> And it's just like, you see, you see so much nudity running around the house, you become conditioned (laughs) to it. And so it's like, you know, it's just nudity isn't anything anymore. Like, oh, there's a
0: turd on the floor.
1: (laughs) I better just clean it up. You know, like, it's just nuts. It's chaos all the time.
0: That's the stuff they leave out of the new parent handbook, right? Like, they don't tell you that stuff when you have kids. You're like, uh, is this normal? (laughs) (laughs) I guess it is. I
1: think, I think, like wouldn't it be scary you know obviously in sex ed class uh, when i was in high school (laughs) they teach us things like oh you better wear a condom because if you don't (laughs) this could happen and they show you this gross picture but what they don't say is hey man here's why you should wear a condom because if you don't you'll never get sleep again
0: (laughs) (laughs) that might hit home a little bit you know further especially with you add in the the poop and the pee everywhere that, yeah, uh, absolutely. that, that might scare some kids straight for sure. Yeah, that's right. That's maybe, right. maybe after, uh, you know, you retire from the sportsman's nation, you can, uh, start teaching <laughs> classes <laughs> or write a book about parenting. <laughs> there we go. I like it. I like it, man. I can't, uh, I can't wait to take my little dude hunting someday. I think that's going to be the coolest part about it is, is your oldest, uh, is she kind of Maybe getting the bug a little bit. Have you introduced her to hunting yet, or kind of uh, feeling it out?
1: Yeah, so she's been around all of the like the dead animals that we've brought back to Grandpa's house, or you know, when mom when mom killed a turkey last year, uh, Ava was there. She's my oldest. She's six. Yeah, and uh, she's really interested in it. Right. She's a, she loves animals. Ask a lot of
0: questions and stuff. She asks a lot of
1: questions. Absolutely. So I think my goal is next weekend or next week is opener here in Iowa. So I think that when she gets off the bus Wednesday, I'm going to try to maybe take her out for an afternoon hunt. uh, And, I don't know, sit in sit in a, a cornfield or just sit somewhere and maybe at, like with a goal of just to see a deer. Yeah, Not necessarily get close to shoot one, but see how she reacts in the, uh, you know, see how she reacts sitting still. You know, I'm not going to make a, a move in on a big buck or anything like that. I just want to see if she's actually ready. Uh, to, to go hunting and, uh, there's only one way to see if he's ready and that's to take him hunting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's going to be cool. That's going to be yeah. real cool. No matter what happens. So I'm, I'm yeah. sure she'll love it. If she's asking the right questions, I think, I think that's uh that's a good sign. So absolutely. Sweet, man. Absolutely Very cool. Uh, yeah, the, uh, let's see a week ago today, I took Dominic out hunting and it was, we had planned to just go Tuesday and thursday so dominic's my stepson for everybody listening but uh, we i was like well monday let's just go shoot our bows and we'll just go shoot on this public land and while we're shooting i'll just do some glassing and hypothetically if we see one maybe it'll turn into a hunt right so right so we're out there shoot or we're we're intending to shoot and i was just gonna kind of do a quick drive around and and um when we did that, I went down to the end of this road and then turned turned around, and sure as shit, there was a bull standing up on the hillside. Are on, you kidding me? On public. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> of, uh,
1: all, of all the work that we put in while we were out there, and then you guys are driving around. It's like, Oh, Hey, there's one.
0: <laughs> I know. I like this. I like this style of hunting a little better than I hiking know, my I ass know. off up a mountain. Road hunter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I've, uh, I think I'm going to stick to this. It's a little easier, but, uh, no, we, we, we kind of turned around. I came back and started glassing this hillside and all of a sudden I just see this five by five bowl standing there. It's kind of like, oak, it's just strictly Oak brush. And then on top, it's kind of, there's like some pines and Pinion pines and, uh, yeah. some cover. So I was like, man, he's so we kind of, we kind of spooked him a little bit, but then we saw another bull that was kind of working the same direction. So I was like, man, we got to get up there and this, we were kind of losing light. We were probably 45 minutes out from, from, uh, end of day. So we literally parked the truck, threw our gear on. We didn't have any camo. We really weren't prepared, but we, we brought the necessities in case it did happen. And we hiked up the, the hill, basically running up there and got to the top of the ridge. And sure as shit, that bull was walking towards us at like 30 yards. He was already Boy. within 30 yards by the time we got there. <laughs> so I, uh, I tell Dominic, I was like, knock an arrow, knock an arrow. And we were kind of, again, caught with our pants down because we were right in the middle of the trail. Um, and so he's coming and he's coming. And, and I'm holding Dominic off on Drawn because I want him to get behind this big tree. And I, I thought he wouldn't see us before then, but sure's, sure enough, he, he spots something in the, in the trail. And he, he's probably been working this ridge, you know, regularly the last week or a couple of weeks. And, you know, they, they catch anything that's a little out of the ordinary. They're, they're catching their eye. So he sees us, but he doesn't really know what we are. And finally he gets behind that tree. So I told Dominic to draw and he was kind of looking the other way. But all of a sudden he just snapped back and and looked at us and uh he just kinda blew out of there. So He caught some movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's tough. But I mean it was it was so cool. And then we sat there the rest of the night, kinda in the in a similar spot and uh we ended up we did have another bull and a cow work in on us and kind of the kind of the same thing. They just picked us off, so That was kind of my bad. I should have moved our setup a little bit, but it was so late in the day. We just didn't really have any time to really figure it out. So, but it was, it was cool. Nonetheless, they were bugling. I was like, damn, this is, this is my type of hunting right here. 10 minute walk off the road and (laughs) a 45 minute hour long hunt to, to get into some animals. That's, that's pretty darn good for sure. Right.
1: Right. Absolutely, man. That's awesome.
0: So hopefully that kids
1: had more encounters with elk than I have.
0: (laughs) I know. I, I, I'm starting to think he's uh, like a lucky a charm, luck charm or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So I guess I'll keep taking him out. We'll see what if happens. I had
1: to guess, too, in the short amount of time that I've met the kid, let's say he's at school right now, right? Yep. So he's probably thinking about elk hunting oh, yeah. right now. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, he's hooked <laughs> for life. That's awesome. So we'll see. We got a week left. We'll We'll see if we can get out a few more times and never know. Never know. Yeah. It's not easy. That's for sure. But uh yeah so I wanted to, I wanted to record this podcast before before we left Colorado or before you came out here but you and I were just so jam busy uh me with the newborn and you getting ready to come out here so uh but I I want to cover basically just kind of like lessons learned and and kind of you know, talking about the preparation for your hunt, maybe some of your expectations you had for this year, and then we'll get into like some of your gear set up and, um, you know, some of the other stuff, maybe you've switched up your arrows, maybe you switched up broadheads, maybe some of that stuff, and then, and talk about your preparation and, and recap a little bit of this year's hunt. So that's kind of, yeah. if you're, th- if you're feeling that, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling it, dude. You <laughs> ask away. All right. Um, so, what did you have any like going into this year obviously you knew kind of what you were getting into for the 2019 hunt but yeah. did you what what were kind of yeah. like your overall like goals or expectations obviously uh, killing an elk would be number 1 but you know did you have any certain expectations any goals in mind for the year what were kind of your general thoughts leading up to the trip
1: yeah so i think what i what changed from last year is like when you go last year was the first time in the terrain, it was the first time in the area, you know, it was kind of like, it wasn't technically my first elk hunt, but it was kind of like my first elk hunt all over again, because I went once four years ago, it was a complete shit show. And now, (laughs) you know, and, and last year was kind of relearning everything that I forgot about over a four year drive, you know, four year period where I didn't in elk hunt. So coming into this season, I think, you know, and and kind of knowing what happened last year, as far as we had two days of bugling elk last the the previous year, um, where we kind of just, I, I basically was watching you and learning how to approach, you know, these bugling bulls, whether they were moving or if they were sitting still, um, how the you know how the wind works in you know, in the mountains, just yep. kind of like relearning all of those things. So my, my high level expectation for this, this year's hunt was to basically just get within shooting range of a legal elk yeah. period. Like yeah. I just, I, 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 learned that last year. It's not like those Primo's videos, right? It's not like <laughs> yep. you bugle and they come running in, right? They are they're skittish, just like whitetail are here in the Midwest. And um, it's just a different level of work and strategy to get close to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, and I feel like with this year, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to kind of be out there, you kind of learn the ropes, maybe seeing what I was doing last year, how we yeah. moved in on them. And this year is going to be kind of your, your own stab at it and, yep. and, and uh, you know, taking the reins and, and trying it out for yourself. Yeah, so absolutely I'm sure that's that was the, different feeling
1: yeah it and you know I was with Ryan and another guy uh and Ryan hunted with us last year as well and they'd been out already for a handful of days like six days already Yo. and uh so they kind of had an idea of what was going on there but you know you don't every day is a little different out there it's not like you're going to the same tree stand every single day uh or you're you have a, a A set of different tree stands that you hunt when you're a whitetail hunter out here man it's different every single day and uh you just have to you have to be able to shoot from the hip and make like split second decisions on where to go make these minor adjustments or major adjustments and uh just like you have to be fluid in your approach
0: yeah it's uh it's a totally different ball game for sure and uh that that first day you did I mean, I know we talked about this on the, on the previous podcast, but basically the first day you were pretty damn close to, to getting in on one, right?
1: Yeah, man. We, uh, we, you know, we did our, our morning routine where we walk through a shit ton of deadfall, (laughs) hop in a (laughs) crick, walk up the crick, get to get out of the crick, walk straight up this big incline, and then we're on these benches and then on these benches, is typically where we, we start running into elk sign, but with, you know, this summer with the very large amount of rain that Colorado had, uh, and the, it was a warmer this year than last year. So I guess another one of my expectations actually is, you know, we came a week later than last year. So I, I felt, you know, based off of your recommendation and, and just knowing what you know about elk, right. It's like, if you're, if you're going to hunt, you might as well hunt as close to the rut as humanly possible with any animal, whether yeah. it's a whitetail or an elk or whatever. And you're just, they're going to be moving more and you're going to have better chances. Well, the scenario just didn't play out and they weren't bugling and they weren't. So that first, and I, I thought maybe that first day was going to be a sign like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Yeah. It's going to be like this all week. But you know, that, that first day we, 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 we got out of the creek. We walked up the big incline, did some soft call, uh, cow calling, did some bugling, started moving towards these meadows in this avalanche chute, uh, and uh, sure enough, we heard a, a bull bugle, and then we did what you kind of taught us, and that's haul ass, you know, not necessarily run, sprint at them, <laughs> but work your way in into yeah. their position and get as close as humanly possible. And, uh, we got fairly close. I'm, I'm saying within 80 yards of, uh, of this big bowl, we, me and another guy laid eyes on him and he was not small. Um, I don't know anything about scoring bulls, but I, I would say that, uh, you could have set the bull, the bull's rack that you killed a couple years ago inside of this guy's. I mean, he was gigantic. Yeah. He was a big bull. And one thing that really stood up out to me about this bull was he had that, that, uh, that big, almost like a mane, right? They have that mane around their neck and then it, it transitions from a dark Brown to like a lighter Brown. Yeah. You know, that two tone elk, that, you know, people draw pictures of, or you see these awesome pictures of. Yeah. That stood out real long beams, and uh, I mean, it's a no-brainer. My goal is to shoot any elk. Yeah. But it would have been cool if this guy would have dropped down. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't. But he paced up on top of this uh, this little bench back and forth. He was above us, probably about a hundred feet, and uh, he just paced back and forth, bugling and chuckling while we called back at him. And uh, eventually, I don't know if the wind shifted or if uh he just had enough and maybe worked out of the area but uh he didn't he didn't come down after us
0: yeah that's that's the tough part especially with over the counter public land bulls is like yeah. you know you can you can be there and you can be doing everything right but if he does not see what he's looking for you know he thinks right. there's either another bull or some cows down there and if he does not get that visual um you know it doesn't take long and he's he's moving off so that's right. that's just tough you know because you got to be it's like everything has to fall into place and it's so much a, with any hunting but with elk hunting especially it's such a timing thing you know like just the right. scenario the other night with trying to get up there you know with dominic and trying to get set up before that bull came through similar scenario you're kind of working in on this bull up the ridge or moving in on him, and you just you just have to find that right position and a lot of times you just do not have the time and you do not have the right scenario always to get it exactly right when right. a lot of times it just needs to be perfect you know right so right. that's tough but it, cool nonetheless I mean that's an amazing yeah. experience for sure yeah
1: and the cool thing about the whole thing is you know last year we had that encounter um with the bull and I got to see them act like uh a, a stress-free unpressured animal which yeah. is really cool right i mean he was fired up he was bugling he was chuckling similar to last year when you know you're calling and you're cracking limbs and you're raking leaves we tried to you know do that and uh, that bull last year came, finally got out of his bed and came down mm-hmm. this year um he stayed and, and i think it was because he had some cows with him
0: yeah yeah yep and that's a that's another big factor for sure um well that's cool man like again it sounds like you guys did everything right I've always the the first couple years I'd hear bugles and like ah it's off in the distance I don't I don't need to go chase that like I I was just kind of oblivious to what elk hunting really was but you know I've really kind of taught myself and try to explain to a lot of people if you hear a bugle beeline towards that thing because you might not hear another one or you might not get that other opportunity so as soon as you hear it just Freaking go rate right for it and be aggressive. Right. Cause you gotta play right. for that day, you know, cause it, it could change all in a in a heartbeat. And uh, you know, the next couple days or the following week it could be a ghost town. So you never know. You gotta play for that day.
1: Absolutely, man. Absolutely.
0: I wanna talk about some gear for this year. What um did you have any major changes from last year, whether it's your pack, your boots, clothing? Aero setup. up talk to us a little bit about that
1: no man um you know from a from a clothing and boot standpoint it was the same uh, I used the exact same boots I used the same socks I used the same pants um I got a different hooded kind of like this hoodie sweatshirt but um I wore I wore the exact same clothes as I did last year. And it worked really well. Um it rained a couple days, so I pull out the same rain jacket that I had. Um that's one thing that I'll probably upgrade uh this next year is on the rain jacket that I had, I don't know if it's the uh humidity from the body. It it I don't think it breathes as well. Yeah. So it gets moisture underneath of it from the body heat, I think. And and it gets damp on the inside. Uh, it keeps you from getting soaked by the rain, but I think next year I'll have a different jacket that's waterproof, but at the same time a little more breathable. And uh, um, so other than that, all of my clothing and uh, the you know clothing, boots, socks, all that stuff was exactly the same. As far as my gear, um, I had a different bow, but it, it wasn't dramatically a big difference from uh, the bow I used the previous year. My arrow setup um, was, you know, an arrow – I'm not saying an arrow is an arrow, but I, I did go with an uh, another arrow uh, that was a little bit heavier. I even – last year I was probably sitting at about 490, 490, 495 total grain or total arrow weight for, yeah. as far as grains are concerned this year i bumped that up to somewhere around five five fifteen five twenty maybe five twelve i think or something like that i can't nice. really remember but uh just trying to get the heaviest possible arrow to get you know if you do have an encounter with these big animals because as we all know you can hit them good and they still don't go down yeah right? you, you have to absolutely <laughs> smoke them yeah for them to go down uh and go down fast, I, I guess, and and leave a lot of blood. And um, I just wanted to make sure that my arrow setup reflects reflected, you know, what I wanted out of a good kill shot, right? I needed penet- penetration, and uh, so that's why I went with a kind of a heavier arrow. Same broadheads as last year, and uh, I had a four fletch, um, a four a four fletch arrow this year, and it it took me a while to tune tune it right. I had some issues before the, uh, before the actual trip where I was really struggling to really get it honed in. So I, I went to my buddy Kyle and I said, Hey man, I need you to strip this bow down, set it all back up. So he worked on my bow literally like four days before we left on that hunt. And then I recited in everything. And, uh, I even had to do some knock tuning on each each individual arrow. And if you're not, if you're not familiar with that, that's, um, so you're shooting one arrow and it's going one direction. You shoot another arrow and it goes the opposite direction. So basically what he told me was you just rotate the knock or the arrow and the knock, uh, 90 degrees. And you just try to find consistency, consistency through that knock tuning. So we did that and luckily that worked. So we found a lot of, you know, I had, I had, uh, a quiver full of good arrows for this, this hunt, they shot well. And then, you know, obviously when you get up to elevation, uh, you got to reshoot them and retune them. And I had to adjust a little bit while I was up there. And, uh, so, and then I, other than that, man, all the gear other than my arrows, all the gear, uh, was pretty much the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, back to that, that knock tuning, it's crazy how just something that little can make a a huge difference. Like I've never even done that before. How did, how did you get it to stay in the right spot? Did you like mark like on the sides of it or were they like a little bit of glue or something? Like, what did you do for that?
1: No, man. Basically you just rotate, you rotate the knock in the arrow or so you, you knock the arrow and then you rotate that, you shoot it You see where it lands and then you rotate it again and you shoot it and you see where it lands. And then you basically go, you just keep doing that until you find something that's hitting the bullseye. And uh, some arrows just did not, did not tune right. And so those arrows kind of got left in the case, but there was four arrows that I got tuned and those were the arrows that came with me.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. Very cool. Well, you did uh, add a spotting scope for this year too, right? Yeah. I mean,
1: I have. A, I got a spotting scope, but I. It was basically just to be at the cabin. Yeah, to, yeah. to look at the stuff there. It, I'm. I wasn't gonna pack that around every day. Yeah. And. And I. I had this conversation with you a while ago, but it's almost like where we were hunting. I pulled my binoculars up. Two times and that was it. Yeah. And it's almost like you when you when you're hunting elk and not necessarily a specific uh class of bull, I didn't care what the elk was. If it was legal, I'm gonna I wanna go shoot it. Exactly. So so I almost think that there's a part of me, I say this now but it won't happen, that why am I even taking binoculars with me? It's just added weight on these yeah. hikes all day long. Yeah. And I, I don't ever use them so why would I why would I need them
0: yeah you're right that that area where we hunt is pretty thick yeah yeah there's not a lot of areas you know you watch some of these videos of being out in Montana or Idaho or you know even in Colorado you can get the same thing but it's just where this particular area is just is so dense with dark timber and there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of places you can get up to and just cover country right. like a 360 view. You might be able to get up somewhere and, and glass a drainage or you know a certain draw, but other than that, it's <laughs> it's pretty non-existent. And like you said, for somebody that's just looking to kill any legal elk, what the hell does it matter? Uh, you just right. want to <laughs> just get up yeah. there and it's and get getting close. That's all all you need for sure.
1: Right. Absolutely, man. I'm to the point now where you know. What what's the odds or what's the the percent rate for success in that unit about
0: 10 percent
1: 10 percent yeah so it might be 11
0: or something in that particular one but it's yeah, so, right about the norm
1: right so that's but that's a mix of private and a mix of public and yeah. a mix of archery and a mix of firearm right that's so, just archery but oh, yeah that's just archery mixed, okay
0: but that's a mix of uh um, yeah private and public so it doesn't right. factor in any outfitting or, or, or guiding, you know, it's DIY, it's public land, it's private yeah. land, all that stuff.
1: So even off that, you know, if, if you harvest one elk every 10 years, then you're doing some, then yeah. you're on pace for average. And man, I don't want to do that. I, I want to kill more <laughs> elk than one every five years.
0: Me too, man. It's uh, you know, I I got freaking spoiled, and uh, my first year killing that bull. and I was like, man, this is this is freaking easy. And then the next year, I had so many freaking encounters. Twenty seventeen was an awesome year. I had so many close calls. I was at full draw four times. I missed a bowl that probably would have went 280, six by six. And then it's just the last two years have been kind of a struggle to, to get on elk really. I mean, and, and get them within range. It's, it's a little, it's been a little tougher. I don't know if if things have shifted a little bit or the hunting pressures picked up or what, but it's a, it's just not an easy game. And it really, when you think about the 10%, you're like, ah, you know, I'm better than 10%, but that, that's a fact, that's a reality. And it's just not easy. So you hear guys going out four or five six years, you know, before they kill an elk. And, and that's unfortunately kind of the norm, but you know, so when it does sucks, happen, it's, it's good.
1: <laughs> so what sucks more, uh, killing an elk right off the bat and then not like, then going through a dry spell <laughs> or having a dry spell first before you kill
0: the elk? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I definitely appreciate the bull. So, I mean, yeah. if I go another you know, if I don't get one this year is what it is, but it's, I, I'm never going to stop trying, <laughs> right, right. but at least I got the monkey off my back. So I feel like the pressure's off a little bit, but God damn, I do run a, a, a <laughs> podcast on, on elk hunting. So it's like, ah, right. uh, I, I have this pressure and, and, and my time is, is even, even few and far between, uh, right. You know, to actually get out and, and get some quality hunts now, but you know, it, it'll happen. Like I said, it's just right. and, and and like I said, for people coming out for their first time, first couple of years, three years, whatever, you're just learning the area, you're you're learning the game, and and uh, you know, it just makes that success that much sweeter when it actually does happen.
1: Absolutely, for sure.
0: So I know I know you're talking about like when you wake up in the morning, you were just not hungry at all. Uh, it, you know, I I find myself on the same way. I just can't really eat that early in the morning. But, um, you're were, you're were basically forcing yourself to eat. And right. uh, I just kind of wanted to talk about some of your because I know we're a little different scenario hunting out of some cabins. But you know, what did you change anything up from last year? I know you were doing some some of the more um, like the freeze dried or the you know kind of ready to eat meals. Did did that change at all from last year to this year, or what did that look like?
1: Yeah, you know, so you know, it's hard, uh, period to have your nutrition, right. While you're up there. Um, I know that, uh, Ryan and his buddy that he was with, man, they went all out and they, you know, they really got into nutrition and they really got in what your body actually needs. I kind of did the same thing. Um, as far as changing a little bit, I did less freeze dried meals. Um, which I'm going to tell you what I they they weren't your standard mountain house meals anymore this year so I did a lot of ramen I did some canned chicken I did uh some uh instant mashed potatoes to really get those calories up for breakfast I had some Heather's Heather's Choice breakfast um uh, meals that you know those were a freeze-dried meal and then I I again went with a, a standard like uh a cliff bar. I did a couple cliff bars. I had, I brought an apple with me every day. Um, and that's, you know, that's, uh, one thing that I'm probably going to have to change. I need to educate myself a little bit better on what the body actually needs in a scenario like that, because you know, I probably could have eaten more protein. I co- probably could have eaten more fats and I, I think protein and fat, uh, play a big role in, the kind of energy that you're burning, not just carbs. You know, I, I ate a lot of carbs. Um, and I think I needed to eat more protein throughout the day while I was actually up in the mountains, not just before and after uh, I did take, I don't know. I had a buddy send me a pack of these vitamins from, uh, wilderness, ath- uh, no wilderness athlete.
0: Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah.
1: So these vitamins or whatever its like a pack of supplements that I took, uh, every night before I went to bed. And, you know, it, like you said, it's just, I, I think it's something I just need to educate myself on better. Uh, because I, I felt like I did better this year than I did last year, but you know, I'm, I'm the caboose on the train, you know, and, uh, I was still trying to keep up with everybody uh, no offense to your brother, Phil, but I, <laughs> I liked hunting with him because me and him were on closer to the same, uh, speed and same pace as opposed to hunting with Ryan. He's like a little squirrel out there jumping <laughs> over the headfall all shit. Oh yeah. And, yeah. So, um, and so as far as the food is concerned, man, I just, I think I need to eat more meat while I'm up there and some more some more good fats like tuna. Like I think, uh, I need to eat some more tuna. I need to eat some more like jerky while I'm up there, some more cheese maybe. Um, I don't know, just like something that I I should probably, it's not so, it's not so serious now. Um, like last year I can remember a day where I was coming off the mountain and I, I, I literally could barely walk. (laughs) I was so exhausted. But this year we did the same exact hike and I made it back to camp. No problem. Yeah. You know, obviously I was the last one there, but still (laughs) no, you know, no, no problems. No No big swings, you know, no big big swings in, in like going from feeling energetic to just a complete dying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I struggle with that too. Like, I, in, in part of it's just like, ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up some granola bars, and then oh, I gotta have some fruit snacks, and then I gotta buy some oatmeal cream pies, and I bring all this stuff, and I'm like, and I and th- but then I also buy some good stuff, like I'll throw in some nuts and some mixed, you know, kind of like dried berries or whatever, but. I always end up eating the junk food (laughs) before, before the, uh, good stuff. And like I said, I think, I think this year I kind of noticed it more because one, I wasn't physically prepared enough. I just, I've been a fat, lazy person the last uh, (laughs) six months. But, uh, so like after the first two days of hunting and, and we went pretty hard the first, especially the first day, um, that next day I was definitely not feeling the best by the end of the second night. I was kind of that was my, almost like my first taste of like mountain, like sickness or elevation sickness paired with just not being prepared versus, you know, last year where I I felt pretty damn good. But, uh, I think partly part of that is, is due to food as well. And, and just making sure you're fueled up because you just don't realize how much you're burning and, and that type of terrain. So absolutely. Well, that's cool, man. Um, well, I knew I knew uh, you were definitely more prepared this year when you showed up at my house. I was like, "Man, Dan, you're uh, you're a chiseled athlete. Look at you!" Yeah, right. I was like, "Yeah, you look like you're in a bodybuilder competition. What the hell, right, man?" Right, right. I just
1: have really good fitting t shirts. You know, where,
0: where they're tight where they're
1: supposed to be tight and loose where they're supposed to be loose, right.
0: Oh yeah, you gotta yeah, that's 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 part of the game there. It's not That's it's, where you plug the elk season shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could pick one up on transitionwild.com for uh nineteen right. ninety nine. And they there look good. Go. They look really yeah. good. I mean, Dan looked great. So you Tied know.
1: around the shoulders and arms, but loose around the love handles.
0: <laughs> yep. Shows it in all the right places and hides it right. where you don't want it, you know. Right. <laughs> but no, you uh I could definitely tell that you were more prepared physically uh, for your training this year than than you were last year. Would you would you say that's accurate?
1: It's different. It was a different kind of prep uh, preparation. I think what I did this year was better than what I did last year.
0: Just just uh, from a standpoint of of more cardio or more weights or just more pack walks, like what. Trying yeah, to get so, yourself in more realistic scenarios. What what did that look right,
1: like? Right, right. So let me just kind of walk through. Like, so uh, in late February, I got laid off from my job. Right, and through my job, I had a, a membership to a gym, and I would I I went and I worked out. Right, I worked out. You know, I worked out my legs, but I also worked out my upper body a lot more too. Yeah. So with me getting laid off there went my membership and you know, there went like this huge swing in finances in my family. So I couldn't really justify getting a, a gym membership at that point. But what I did have was, you know, two legs and I had a backpack from the outdoorsman that had a, that it's called the Atlas trainer and you can put uh, weight plates on it. Yep, Right. That thing's so cool. I, only ran and I only did weighted hikes i hardly did any uh any upper body I guess weightlifting so what that did is I feel like in that amount of time I lost muscle mass in my upper body right I watched my diet a little better I wasn't going back for seconds um you know, seconds and thirds (laughs) for, (laughs) for supper, you know, and for lunch, I was eating apples and oranges. I was watching a little bit of my, uh, my, uh, calorie intake throughout the day, making sure that I had, you know, yeah, I still went and had cake and ice cream and stuff like that. But I also ate a ton of apples, a ton of carrots and, and, um, and stuff like that. So my diet changed a little bit. I, I stopped lifting a ton on my upper body. I did. So I was doing a lot more cardio and then throughout the entire summer I was running. Right. So, but, but what happened is man, I got two bad knees and a bad hip. I got a, and that's all from playing football and rugby, uh, in college, uh, football in high school, rugby in college. And it just, that, that I guess intensity or that just running, and running for three miles at a time just my legs were they weren't re- really tired but they were just and my cardio was good but i just couldn't finish these runs anymore because the pain in my knees and shins and hip
0: right? yeah yeah
1: so i just said screw it i'm done running it's now time for me to throw the weight on the pack and start simulating these hikes to build my legs up and i i Once I would find the time in my schedule, told the wife, I'll be gone for two hours or two or more hours. So I load up, and I went to the local – this local state park that has some trails coming off the lake that are as steep as you can find here in Iowa. Yeah. And I found the steepest hill, and I literally walked down it and up it, down it and up it, down it and up it for two hours. Wow. basically what that did was simulate going up into the mountains and e- exhausting as much energy over a period of time as possible it wasn't like i was had this high intensity you know workout it was just a my heart rate was up the entire time for two straight hours and i walked until my legs until i had had to start stopping halfway up so I was loading at uh, to start uh, my pack weight was probably about 50 pounds and the week before I left for uh, Colorado I was probably closer to 80 so you know just continually walking in a circle or walking up and down up and down uh, getting your legs simulating you know going up and also which is just as important simulating them going down because after a period of time up you can really start feeling it in my knees uh, walking downhill it's it's like the pain walking downhill sucks but getting gassed walking uphill <laughs> sucks it's not like my I felt my legs were good it's just obviously the thin air up yeah there. yeah and you can't beat that
0: well and it's it, it, early in the morning like whenever you first take off for a hunt like that first freaking oh yeah you know, couple hundred yards or a quarter mile it's just like it's the worst man and i i absolutely dread that in the mornings because it's just like you're you just get gas for whatever i don't think your body's quite awake well, yet then, it's not yeah. ready it's not conditioned but you just got to fight through that first half mile and then you're and you're kind of in it and uh yeah. but you know that's coming battered. so it makes you prepare a little harder for next year for yeah. sure
1: that little uh there's a, that little hill that we walk up uh yeah. every morning i i we call it good morning hill because <laughs> you you are awake by the time you get to the top of that hill you're, yeah your heart is pounding you're breathing heavy and and that's your that's your alarm clock it, for the day
0: it's not very long but it's steep and yeah. uh it, it definitely gets you breathing <laughs> there's there hasn't been one time where i've walked up it and kept walking after i got to the top <laughs> <laughs>
1: short like a short pause just to get your yeah. your breath and all that stuff so. yeah
0: for sure for sure um yeah that's uh that's always fun always fun but it sounds like uh you know just doing the weighted pack hikes i mean you can't can't yeah. beat that as far as training uh i highly recommend that i definitely don't do it enough but uh you know if you are planning on heading heading out for a week hunt definitely loading up the pack with some weight and just putting in the miles. It it, it, it yeah. doesn't have to necessarily be anything crazy. Ordinary. Just strap it on and start walking. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, just going back to gear. You mentioned gear. Um, I did buy some gaiters. Okay. And I feel like those kept the bottom of my pants dry, which in turn kept my socks a little bit more dry. And there was only one day where my boots really got wet. Nice. And that was when i was like walking down the creek back to the cabin and didn't give a shit if i stepped in water or not <laughs> i was just like let's just get back to the cabin
0: yeah 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 i have some gators too i i find myself wearing them sometimes like if i know it's gonna be wet or rainy like i might wear them but um yeah i need i need to wear them more often because my feet get get pretty wet so did you, yeah. did you have like the like the little small ones or do they go up basically to your knee
1: yeah, they they went up just below my knee. Okay. Like right to the top of my calf.
0: Nice. Nice. So. Hell yeah. I like it. Um so what uh I've been thinking about this a lot just kind of going forward and just over the last couple years of just just mixing things up a little bit, and and also talking to some of the some of the other guys like Ben Katormson, who's been on your podcast, and um, Bo Martonic. I had him on recently to talk about elk hunting, and 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 through my own experiences, I'm thinking for next year I want to do a little bit more mixing up the cards, where it's I'm more mobile in a standpoint of like trying to find and hit different locations. More on a daily basis because what I'm finding is that you can get into good elk hunting on little small parcels of BLM and little small small chunks of 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 ground uh, closer to town or in certain areas that just might be overlooked. You know what I'm saying? So like 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 last year I was chasing a herd of elk that was. A hundred head for sure. First first week had six bulls in there, tons of cows, and they were just right outside of town. Uh, they were feeding down onto private land, and uh, in the evenings and in the mornings, getting that getting that alfalfa and the hay, and then bedding back up on the public. Well, I mean, it's not anything that's difficult to get into. It's not anything that's like crazy remote. I was hunting it after work and before work. Uh, it was just overlooked. So i'm thinking for next year i want to start trying to find some different areas and get into some different parcels that are you know i might be 20 miles this way one day or i might be over here the next day and i want to start kind of playing that game because i think just based on what i've been seeing and what i've been talking with a lot of people you can certainly kill out that way for sure Yeah. so yeah.
1: you know hunting out of that cabin is nice from the standpoint of it gives you a head start, uh, above anybody else. Like no one, no one who's not staying at that cabin is walking that high up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and if they are, they're maniacs, right? Uh, they're probably going to go up and stay, uh, (laughs) stay up there. But you know, having access, uh, to a couple other trailheads from that cabin is really nice. But at the same time, you know, if I knew the, knew the entire area a little bit more, I probably would have dropped off that face, went around to maybe a different drainage or, or something just to, just to see what else was there. Because, you know, and after talking with some guys who were hunting in the area as well, I don't think it really would have mattered this year because of what the wind and the weather was doing. Yeah. But in, you know, in in future years, I think it might, it might have to be an option.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like on those days that it's good, it's, it's great, you know, when they're, when they're active, but you can get, you can experience some of those days where it's just slow and you're you're just kind of trying to find a needle in a haystack. Um, like when I had Jared Scheffler on the podcast, I mean, there's probably no, no person better, you know, than him who can drive around and will drive around hundreds of miles a day, just trying to see where the elk are. And then he's, then he's going to go from there and get into them that way. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to think outside the box and try to find some different ways to kill an elk. Um, because it is, I feel like the back is getting a little crowded. I mean, uh, just, there's just more people doing it, advancements in gear. Uh, just, I feel like there's, there's other ways to, to kill an elk. And so I'm going to start trying out some of that stuff. So maybe we look at, some different options for next year.
1: Yeah. I'm, uh I'm down with that, man.
0: Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to start planning, planning, uh you know, figuring out what we're going to do. So it's all fun, man. I want to get you an elk. I want to be there when you kill your first <laughs> elk.
1: <laughs> I want to get an elk. My wife wants me to get an elk.
0: It's just, it's just not easy. Anyway, you, no. anyway, you skin the cat. But it's fun, cat.
1: man. I, I, you know, I, I was, I talked to other people about this and it's just, you know, I don't get to see the mountains. I live in Iowa. I don't get a, um, I just don't get to experience that. And it's something that I I want to experience. Right. I mean, um, if I wasn't a hunter, I would be out there doing something in the mountains, right. Hiking or camping or doing something. Yeah. And I think this is just a, uh, an awesome way to experience mother nature with, you know, not only for my love of, hunting but for my love of nature as well just being able to see everything that i saw is just crazy
0: yeah yeah i always told myself too if i wasn't a hunter if i didn't enjoy hunting i would probably be about 300 pounds because it's the only <laughs> thing that keeps me motivated <laughs> uh, i mean i i do have some drive whatever but like what keeps me going is is knowing that i gotta hike up that mountain so i do have to do some physical activity and just getting out there and doing it is uh is, is what keeps me somewhat healthy. So I enjoy that as well. So you got a, uh, South Dakota hunt coming up pretty, pretty soon, huh? Get prepared fact, for man. that.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's not going to be as physically as demanding as this hunt is, but it's a little bit different, uh, terrain. It's like, uh, these plateaus with a lot of coolies and drainages in them and, uh, a lot more glassing. Uh, yeah. I'll find a high point, glass, 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 see a, uh, see a mule deer, go make a, go make a stock on them and, and just do that hopefully all day long for, you know, five or six days and walk away with a mule deer. Now, again, not really caring what I harvest. I'm not looking for a big buck. You know, obviously it'd be cool to shoot some four-year-old, you know, 170 class mule deer, Hell yeah. I don't care. I just want, this is, this is a, another hunt where this is an experience
0: yeah. Right? yeah,
1: and it's something completely new. Uh, me and another guy are going out and, uh, we're going to be camping, you know, hunting from tents and hunting out of the back of a truck and, uh, not really knowing what to do. It's just shoot from the hip type hunt and, uh, you know, make the plan up as we go.
0: That's awesome, man. That's going to be really cool. Looking forward to hearing about that and uh, pretty much keeping the same, same setup, right? Like arrows and broadheads, all that stuff's not changing. Uh, no,
1: man, everything's the same. Uh, I don't have enough time in my, uh, in my day to switch gear for every single hunt. Right. I mean, obviously the yeah. clothing is going to change cause it's going to be a little cooler. Uh, but the same bow, same arrow, same broadhead, everything's going to be the same.
0: Heck yeah. I love it, man. Well, very cool. We'll all lo- we'll wrap this thing up, man. I really appreciate you getting on and, and, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to, doing other podcast at some point here soon i don't know what what about but we'll we'll definitely bs maybe after your your mule deer hunt and see how that goes
1: yeah absolutely man i'm uh i'm just uh just a guy who likes to hunt things
0: <laughs> i know well i'm I'm jealous you're getting to some more hunting trips than i am this year but maybe uh, next year we can next year yeah we'll, we'll make up for it next year for sure Right, or at least plan your next pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. I'll, be, I'll, I'll. Uh, if it happens again, I'll try to be a little bit more <laughs> aware of the of the consequences at the certain timing. times a year. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> well, cool, Dan. Well, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. All right. And there we go. Big thanks to Dan for coming on the show. Had a blast as always. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, we're going to continue some some good elk content coming down the pipe here. Uh, and uh, good luck to everybody who's still out there grinding it. I did not buy an archery tag this year. I, I held off because of the the newborn child, but I am probably going to get a second or third season rifle tag just to just to give her a go. I know it really... It really kind of sucks that i didn't get a a, any time really to hunt but uh still been out a few times hunting with family and friends it's it's been a good time so uh good luck to everybody who's still out there grinding away if you're planning your first rifle hunt colorado definitely go to transitionwild.com subscribe and i will send you the colorado beginner elk hunting guide for free it's a pdf download walks you through kind of scouting planning for both archery and rifle and kind of gets you started with uh, the lay of the land here in colorado so definitely go to transition wild subscribe i will send you that for free all right thanks again for tuning in big thanks to our partners expedition archery skull brew coffee and outdoor edge knives thanks again and we'll talk to you soon